freedom and truth. Why did Moses tell Pharaoh, if not a lie, then less than the full truth? Here's the conversation between him and Pharaoh after the fourth plague, Arov, swarms of insects, or some say wild animals. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said, That wouldn't be right. The sacrifices we offer to the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. Now, not just here, but throughout, Moses makes it seem as if all he's asking for is permission to undertake a three-day journey to offer sacrifices to God and, by implication, then to return. So, for instance, in their first appearance before Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron say, This is what the Lord God of Israel said, Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. God even specifies this before the mission has begun, saying to Moses at the burning bush, you and the elders of Israel will then go to the king of Egypt. You must tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, revealed himself to us. Now we request that you allow us to take a three-day journey into the desert to sacrifice to the Lord our God. And that impression remains to the very end. After the Israelites had left, we read, the king of Egypt received news that the people were escaping. Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind regarding the people and said, what have we done? How could we have released Israel from doing our work? At no stage does Moses say explicitly that he is proposing that the people should be allowed to leave permanently, never to return. He consistently talks of a three-day journey. There's an argument between him and Pharaoh as to who is to go. Only the adult males? Only the people, not the cattle? Moses consistently asks for permission to worship God at some place that is not Egypt, but he doesn't speak about freedom or the promised land. Why not? Why does he create and not correct a false impression? Why can't he say openly what he means? The commentators offer various explanations. Rav Shmuel David Lutzato says that it was impossible for Moses to tell the truth to a tyrant like Pharaoh. Rabbi Yaakov Mecklenburg in Haktava HaKabalah says that technically Moses didn't tell a lie. He did indeed mean that he wanted the people to be free to make a journey to worship God, and he never said explicitly that they would return. Abarbanel says that God told Moses deliberately to make a small request to demonstrate Pharaoh's cruelty and indifference to his slaves. All they were asking for was a brief respite from their labors to offer sacrifices to God. If he refused this, then he would indeed show himself to be a tyrant. Uh, Rav Elchanan Samet cites an unnamed commentator who says simply that this was war between Pharaoh and the Jewish people, and in war it's permitted, indeed sometimes necessary, to deceive.
Actually, however, the terms of encounter between Moses and Pharaoh are part of a wider pattern that we've already observed in the Torah. When Jacob leaves Lavan, we read, Jacob decided to go behind the back of Laban the Aramean and didn't tell him that he was leaving. So Laban protests his behavior. How could you do this? You went behind my back and let my daughters and led my daughters away like prisoners of war. Why did you have to leave so secretly? You went behind my back and told me nothing. Jacob has again to tell at best a half-truth when Esau suggests that they travel together. He says to his brother, after their re-encounter, 22 years on, he says, you know that the children are weak and I have a responsibility for the nursing sheep and cattle if they're driven hard even for one day all the sheep will die. Please go ahead of me, my lord. This, though not strictly a lie, was a diplomatic excuse. When Jacob's sons were trying to rescue their sister Dina, who'd been raped and abducted by Shechem the Hivite, they replied deceitfully when Shechem and his father proposed that the entire family should come and settle with them, telling them that they could only do so if all the males of the town underwent circumcision. Earlier still, we find three times Abraham and Isaac between them forced to leave home because of famine, and they had to pretend that they were their wives' brothers, not their husbands, for fear that otherwise they would be killed so that Sarah or Rivka could be taken into the king's harem. These episodes cannot be entirely accidental or coincidental to the biblical narrative as a whole. The implication seems to be this. Outside the promised land, Jews in the biblical age were in danger if they told the truth. They were at constant risk of being killed or at least enslaved. Why? Because they were powerless in an age of power. They were a small family, at best a small nation, in an age of empires. They had to use their wits to survive. By and large, they didn't tell lies, but they were and forced to create a false impression. That is not how things should be. But it is how they were before Jews had their own land, their one and only defensible f- space. It's how people in impossible situations are forced to be if they are to continue to exist at all. No one should be forced to live a lie. In Judaism, truth is the seal of God and the essential precondition of trust between human beings. But when your people are being enslaved, its male children murdered, you have to liberate them by whatever means are possible. Moses, who had already seen that his first encounter with Pharaoh made things worse for his people, they still had to make the same quota of bricks, but now had to gather their own straw, did not want to risk making things worse still. The Torah here is not justifying deceit. To the contrary, it is condemning a system in which telling the truth may put your life at risk, as it still does in many tyrannical or totalitarian societies today. Judaism, a religion of dissent, of questioning, and of arguments for the sake of heaven, is a faith that values intellectual honesty and moral truthfulness above all things. The psalmist says, Who shall ascend the mountain of the Lord and 
Who shall stand in his holy place, one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not taken my name in vain nor sworn deceitfully? Malachi says, of one who speaks in God's name, the law of truth was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found in his lips. Every Amida ends with the prayer, my God, God, my tongue from evil, and my lips from deceitful speech. What the Torah is telling us in these narratives in Genesis, and again in Sefer Shemot in the book of Exodus, is the connection between freedom and truth. Where there is freedom, there can be truth. Otherwise, there cannot. A society where people are forced to be less than fully honest, merely to survive and not to provoke further oppression, is not the kind of society God wants us to make.